Hey everyone, we continue our read-through of the New Testament. Today we are in Revelation 9. Revelation 9 is a continuation of the seven trumpets. We have seen the first four trumpets, and now we see the fifth and the sixth. Remember, the fifth is a part of this current age. It is one of those recapitulating cycles or pictures of things that happened during the inter-advental age where the sixth trumpet brings us to the end of the age, and the seventh will be the consummation. But once again, just like it was with the seals, there will be a break, an interlude, that will lay out the protection of the saints that happens between the sixth and the seventh trumpet. And so here we see the fifth and the sixth together. Just as chapter 8 ended, there will be three woes, and that is the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet. So we look at the first two of the last three woes here with the fifth and the sixth trumpet. So let's look at the fifth first. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like this power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, their their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle." They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. All right, we'll stop there for now before we get to the sixth trumpet. So here we have the fifth angel who blows his trumpet, and we immediately see a picture of an a, 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 of a star falling from heaven, which is given the key to unlock the bottomless pit, which out from comes locust and smoke with the power of scorpions to go over these terrifying, monstrous-looking things with the faces of men with hair like women, with breastplates of iron, right, with teeth like lion's teeth. And so... This is a picture that is clearly symbolic and meant to symbolize something. So what is happening here and pictured in this fifth trumpet? Here, the trumpet blast sets in motion a horrific army of locusts energized by demonic sources. The imagery is derived from Exodus 10 and Joel 2 where a literal locust plague foreshadowed even more devastating judgment coming from a divinely commissioned army. Their terrorizing power compare only to those of the beast. And these infernal monsters attack only the wicked, not the saints. And that's important. We see in verse 4, they are not allowed to touch those with the seal of God on their foreheads. That's a very important thing because here the fifth is a symbol 
of demonic oppression throughout the interadvental age, the way that demonic forces uh, bring pain and suffering and sorrow onto the world. And the even though right we are we are in the midst of a fallen world and we experience those realities as saints we remain untouched by demonic powers who have no power over us to bring our death to bring our destruction apart from the lord's sovereign will this is so important right this is the self-defeating and tormenting nature of wickedness that is pictured here. People longing to die but unable to do so. This picture of a pre-weeping and gnashing of teeth that happens as a foreshadow of the judgment to come. These demonic forces are unlocked and unleashed by Satan who knows that his time is short, who knows that he has lost the victory and seeks to bring as much pain and sorrow and suffering that he can during this present age. And we see that this is Satan not only from the the picture of the star falling from heaven, but also of the names that are established to him, Abaddon and Greek, these pictures of uh, destruction, the destroyer, right? And so we see this reality. Here the picture of the darkening of the clouds is the way in which these demonic forces seek to obscure the light and truth of God's word as the gospel seeks to go forth from his sealed saints into the world. And so they seek to obscure it. They seek to blind those from the light while they bring torment upon the world uh, through their wicked temptations as they offer so much yet sting with a deep and terrible poison. So that's what we have here in the fifth trumpet is these the picture of throughout this age, the demonic forces which are at work to try and to obscure and hide the truth and light of God's revelation and to bring pain and sorrow upon the unbelieving world uh, as a picture of judgment against the unbelieving world and their rejection of the truth. And that brings us to the sixth uh, trumpet, which now brings us to the end of the age and a picture of the gathering of the, the, the nations, the gathering of the armies led by these demonic forces um, to go up against the people of God and ultimately to be destroyed in this final cataclysm by the king of kings himself. Verse 13 to the end of the chapter. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, and the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops were twice ten thousand times ten thousand. I heard their number, and this is how I, I saw the horsemen in my visions. Those who rode them, they wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lion's heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor 
Did they repent of their sexual, their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. One of the great context historical realities behind this is that in during the Roman Empire, they, they were constantly fearing an attack of the Parthians from beyond the Euphrates, the eastern border of the empire. But all such fears were dwarfed by what Revelation now pictures. Outside threats experienced by the Roman Empire presage the final day of cosmic battle. The events of these verses are similar to what we will see in the bold judgments of chapter 16, but the consequences here are less severe, leaving time for repentance. Once again, this is what is happening. It is the same story being told throughout, yet they are intensifying and escalating, serving as a means to bid the reader, those who have yet to come to Christ, to repent, to give them time with the goal that they might repent before they find themselves in a place where repentance can be found no more. So here you had a picture of the Euphrates, right? We will see it again and again throughout this book, where now it is blocked off, and because of this, mounted troops, a great multitude, twice 10,000 times 10,000, a counterfeit to the innumerable multitude of the Lamb, are released, and they go about killing, right? They go about murdering and bringing upon great power and oppression against a third of mankind. This is a picture of God removing the boundary which keeps these kings at bay. This In Revelation 20, it, it will be a picture of the unbinding of Satan. And this is what is happening now. The demonic forces, the binding, will be allowed to lead, and God will bring a spirit of delusion, the scriptures say, upon these kings, these followers of the beast and the dragon, and they will gather a great army against the people of God and against Babylon itself. That will be one of the ways in which God judges Babylon is actually by using wicked forces to tear down and destroy her wicked nature, something that God does throughout the Old Testament all the time. Right, raising up wickedness to destroy wickedness. This just goes to show his sovereignty over all of this, how he is faithful and just even in the most craziest, amazing displays of his judgment, utilizing the wicked as an instrument for his judgment against the wicked. And so we see this, uh, this unleashing of them, this terrible amount of plagues and, and, and a picture of judgment that is coming upon them. The fact that they are, uh, their tails are like serpents with heads is, is a picture in the way in which it is, it is the demonic forces that are undergirding and, 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 and supporting and bringing about this great army that has been risen up to come and to slay and to bring enemy. And this is what is leading up and preparing for the last battle. The last battle of Armageddon here where the Lord will bring utter and complete destruction upon his enemies. And here we see the great problem with all of the issue is it says that they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immoralities or their thefts. In spite of all of the wickedness, in spite of all of the death and destruction that will come, those who are not sealed by the Lord, those who do not have Him will continue. They will press into their depravity, 
press into their rejection of him. And they will be doomed because of it. In all of this word, in all of these warnings of what is to come throughout the age and at the end of the age, all of this is meant to serve as a blessing for those who hear. Because it's a warning to those who hear. The warning is to repent, to gird up your heart, to prepare yourself, to look for the Lord, to long for His justice, to to know Him and to be right with Him, to know that you have peace with God in Jesus Christ. It is mercy. And it is a blessing to know that He wins. It is a blessing to know that He is sovereign over evil. It is a blessing to know that He is in control. In the midst of the darkness, and the midst, in the midst of what is, and that is the demonic forces and spiritual darkness, which we so clearly battle against, as Paul says, that reality of the spiritual battles that we face in light of the realities of the darkness that will mark the end of the age, we have hope, and we celebrate the victory of the Lamb, who will utterly and completely Destroy all of the kings of the earth which seek to rage against him. Psalm 2 is greatly in mind here. Yet before we see that beautiful consummation of the judgment to come against the wicked and the closing of the age, once again we will see an interlude that will make very clear that the people of God will be protected even from the darkest of judgment, because they belong to Christ, and they will be His faithful witness, even in the darkness. God bless.